I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The Chronicle has found its next lead restaurant critic. If you're a San Francisco resident, you may have crossed paths with this hometown native's family. Her name is Mackenzie Chung Fagan. Her Chinese immigrant family is behind the beloved Henry's Hunan in San Francisco, which opened in Chinatown in 1974. The New Yorker magazine once called Henry's Hunan the best Chinese restaurant in the world. Since then, it's expanded to multiple locations throughout the city, including in Soma and Noe Valley. Mackenzie grew up in her family's restaurant. She also worked multiple jobs in the food industry, and eventually she made a career out of writing about food. Most recently, she worked as a senior editor at Bon Appetit magazine on the East Coast. But now she's coming home. Mackenzie follows in the footsteps of Michael Bauer, who served as the Chronicle's restaurant critic for more than three decades. She now fills the post of Soleil Ho, the James Beard award-winning critic who recently moved on to become a columnist. I sat down with Mackenzie ahead of the big announcement of her new role in the newsroom, what it means for her to finally return to the Bay Area, and what she views as the responsibility of the new gig. I started by asking her about that glowing New Yorker review of her family's restaurant, Henry's Hunan, and how it changed the lives of her immigrant grandparents who opened the business nearly 50 years ago. Their life had been one of struggle up until then. They fled the communist regime in China. They came to the U.S. in 1948. And they ended up in Houston, where, as my mom likes to say, they were the only Chinese family in Houston, which I think is technically (laughs) incorrect. But you get the idea. And then, you know, they have a very typical immigrant story. So my grandfather came over as a diplomat. And then all of a sudden, he was a diplomat without a state. So he started trying business ideas. He had a hamburger joint Mm. in Houston, didn't know anything about hamburgers or milkshakes. I think he had a shoe repair business at one point, really just trying to support his family. And then when they moved to San Francisco, again, sort of like another string of, you know, like odd jobs and small businesses. And it was really my grandmother who had the idea, why don't we just open a restaurant and serve the food that we Mm. eat at home? Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was kind of novel. You know, I think Chinese food in San Francisco and definitely in America, more largely was more American Chinese food or influenced by Cantonese Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of like a regional Chinese restaurant was still at the time a little bit unusual. And then when that New Yorker review hit, all of a sudden there were lines down the block. Wow. And it allowed them to expand. They grew the business. They moved into a larger location on Sansom Street. And then today, the chain is still going, and each yeah. one is run by a different member of my family. So my wow. aunties and my cousins all have different Henry's Hunans across the city. And you also helped out at the restaurant as a kid, right? That's right. So my mom managed the Hunan on Sansom Street when I was a kid on Saturdays. So I would go up. I would do my homework. I would make change, hostess, <laughs> help myself to a Shirley Temple behind the bar. So I spent my weekends at that restaurant for many years as a kid. And how do you think that New Yorker review also changed the trajectory of your own life? I mean, first of all, calling it the best Chinese restaurant in the world, we just need to say that statistically, that's probably in China. (laughs) But, you know, I think that that hyperbole just, it opened up opportunities for my family, and then by extension, me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was able to go to college and study study the arts, you Mm -hmm. know, which is potentially not something I would have done. You know, my mom and all of her siblings were encouraged to go to college. And, you know, my mom studied engineering and genetics and my uncle's a dentist. You know, it really was about 
the immigrant dream of having stability, financial stability. Mm -hmm. And so the success of that restaurant allowed me to pursue more of my own interests, which included writing. Mm. And I eventually found myself coming back to writing about food, writing about culture, and it's led me to here. And you've held a number of different positions in the food industry aside from just writing about it, right? Yes. So I think growing up in a restaurant family, I've always had a great affinity for the industry. And, you know, those were my high school jobs. Those were my college jobs as well. So when I moved to New York for college, I just worked a real smorgasbord of different front of house jobs from slinging pizza at a nightclub. One of my first restaurant jobs in the Bay Area was at a place where I had to learn how to write my name upside down in crayon on like butcher paper Hmm. at kind of like a family friendly restaurant. So I waited tables all throughout all throughout college, and that really became my community mm-hmm. in my early 20s. Now, speaking of community, I mean, many Chinese-American families have this story of their families, immigrant families, opening up restaurants. And you wrote this piece for The Chronicle in 2020, and you said that Henry's Hunan was a means to an end for your grandpa. But over time, the restaurants became more than that, right? Like these restaurants became community staples. Your family members have become these beloved community members who know people in the neighborhood. Tell me more about that relationship that your family has with the city of San Francisco and its residents. My grandfather was not a trained cook. Neither was my grandmother. They just had good palates. My Mm -hmm. grandfather in particular had a tremendous sense memory. So he was able to taste a dish and recall if that was the way that his grandmother made it. But, you know, both of my grandparents went to college in China, and they expected all of their kids to do the same. And my grandfather always said that, as you put it, it was a means to an end, and that he wanted his kids and his grandkids not to be working in restaurants. But, you know, I do think that discounts the rich experience that many of his family has had running restaurants that serve the community. A lot of my relatives are great cooks. And, you know, my Aunt Muntau, who was in that article that I wrote, if somebody hasn't finished a dish and it comes back to the kitchen, she wants to go out and ask, like, was it okay? Was there something wrong? Like, how can I improve it? Mm. Um, So, you know, I think that sense of pride that so many of my family takes in, in cooking great food and serving members of their community, you know, that has value. And so now we see, you know, my grandfather's grandchildren and even great-grandchildren still working in the restaurant in a vacuum. Some might think that he would be disappointed Hmm. that we're not all doctors and lawyers, I guess. Uh But, you know, for so many members of my family, it has been such enriching and rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. And one of my cousins, in fact, who still works at the family restaurant, but, you know, has gone on and gotten his college degree. Last time I talked to him about it, he was like, maybe I want to become a restaurant inspector, which really surprised me. But he was like, I want to be able to help families like my own, you know, maybe people who don't speak English as a first language. I want to be able to come in and, you know, give back Mm -hmm. to other restaurants because restaurants have done so much for my family. Mm. And coming back to the Bay Area is sort of a full circle moment for you. You're from here, but you've also lived on the East Coast for two decades. That's right. I've been in New York for 20 years. Wow. So what makes you most excited about coming back to your hometown? 
I think officially on the record, I have to say my family. Of course. <laughs> of course. Being close to my family is a huge draw, but I always thought that I would end up back in the Bay Area at some mm. point. It was a great place to grow up. The access to produce mm. is mm-hmm. really real, especially again after two decades in New York. There was a breaking point one February where I it was a particularly bad New York winter and I came to visit my mom and was at the farmer's market and I ate the platonic ideal of an apricot Mm. in February. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why don't I live here? (laughs) Did it bring a tear to your eye almost? It did. I got really emotional about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was a very Proustian moment. So, you know, looking forward to all of the wonderful things about California that, you know, you know and Mm -hmm. all of your listeners know and love and proximity to nature. And, you know, it's it's just a city, you know, both sides of my family you know, have San Francisco roots. Right. It does feel like a homecoming. Salejo had a particular approach to restaurant criticism. How does Mackenzie Chung Fagan plan to fill their shoes? She'll share after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. If you have a comment or there's a story you think we should cover, let us know. You can email us at fifth, that's F-I-F-T-H, at sfchronicle.com, Or leave us a voicemail at 415-777-6156. Mackenzie Chung-Fagan, you're returning to the Bay Area after two decades. Is there anything that makes you nervous about diving back into the food scene here? I think this job makes me nervous. Mm. It's a huge job. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, Soleil is is such a, a force in the industry. I admire them and their work so much. So I think the idea of, you know, being the restaurant critic for the SF Chronicle is it's just a huge it's a huge undertaking. And I know that there's a lot of power that comes with working in media in general and in food media, but specifically being a critic. I think I'd be worried if I weren't nervous about, you know, yeah. the responsibility that comes with it. Right. Has there been anything happening in the Bay Area food scene that's been exciting to you? I know you've written profiles on, you know, like Brandon Jew of Mr. Jews. I mean, there's a lot of interesting entrepreneurship happening in the Bay Area. Anything exciting that stands out to you about this local food scene? I think the Bay Area has always been a pioneer in terms of food and restaurants The access to produce, the access to the wine industry, you know, the immigrant communities that make this such a tremendous place to eat. You know, I know there has been a lot of talk recently about, you know, the Bay Area getting snubbed by the Beard Awards, for example. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, in this current climate, can chefs be taking the type of risks that they could in the past? But I really do think that, you know, the Bay Area has cemented itself as a place that people look to for leadership Mm -hmm. in the food industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're seeing this not only in the Bay Area, but also in New York, but, you know, post-COVID, chefs who are choosing to do pop-ups or sort of alternative restaurant models as opposed to a brick and mortar, who maybe eventually will will transfer to an actual restaurant location and maybe not. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really interesting to see the new modes Mm -hmm. that chefs and culinary entrepreneurs are exploring. Now, your resume, Mackenzie, is impressive. And I love your writing. Thank you. And some of your pieces stand out to me, including the one you wrote for Paper Magazine, where you go on a cocktail date with a Trump supporter. I encourage listeners to check that out. It's really a great piece. Where do you get your story ideas? A lot of it just comes from what 
I'm noodling on, like what I can't shake, the questions that I'm asking personally. I mean, that story in particular, I wrote in the wake of Trump's election. And Mm -hmm. I think we all had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, people who were living in the Bay Area or in New York were just really grappling with how did this happen? Like, I personally did not know anyone at least who admitted to voting for Trump. Mm -hmm. So I think that story just originated out of my own personal curiosity and angst about who are these people? You know, are there there are people in New York? There are people who may look a lot like me. Mm -hmm. What happens when we have a conversation over drinks at an extremely tiny bar? Right. Now, you mentioned your predecessor, Soleil Ho. They've been on Fifth Emission a couple of times and We've talked a lot about their approach to food criticism, and in their work, Soleil has focused on a number of issues, including the pandemic's impact on the food industry, worker rights, issues of race and identity. What do you think your lens is on food criticism? I think the notion of what food criticism is and should be has been exploded open, you know, in the last decade. Mm -hmm. And I think Soleil has been a big part of that. I don't think there's such a thing as objective criticism. I think we bring our whole personhood to a meal, to how we are processing that meal and writing about that meal. So I certainly bring many of those lenses as well, you know, as the daughter of an immigrant, as a queer Asian American, you know, I am I am bringing my full self to my writing and to my eating. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's valuable to try to compartmentalize those things and say, yes, but like, is this a good slice of pizza? Mm -hmm. Like, what is a good slice of pizza? Right. So I think a lot of those cultural forces that you mentioned, I think, are incredibly relevant and and can't be can't be dissociated from restaurants, which are a business. So Mm -hmm. you have to think about issues of labor. You have to think about issues of equity. I wouldn't know how to write about food or beverage in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people find it particularly interesting Mm -hmm. to read about food or beverage in a vacuum, if you can even do that. And how do you think, you know, coming from a restaurant family affects the way that you view restaurant criticism? I mean, I imagine there's this deep understanding and empathy for restaurant owners and workers because you come from a family of, of them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my hope is that if you're a theater critic, you like theater, And if you're a restaurant critic, I hope that you like restaurants and want to see them continue. It's a really tough business. I come with the knowledge that owning a restaurant is a really difficult proposition. Mm -hmm. So I do see the role as two-pronged. One is to serve the readers of The Chronicle, you know, who are looking for a place to have their next great meal. So I want to make sure that I am doing the type of service journalism that is helpful for people as they make those decisions. But I also want to be an advocate for restaurants and particularly restaurants that, you know, may not otherwise have the publicity, maybe not the splashy openings, maybe not the celeb chef attached, but who are doing great work and deserve to have the type of exposure. Now, as you may know, San Francisco gets a ton of flack about a number of issues people love to hate on the city, critiquing its seemingly you know, inability to solve problems like the drug crisis, housing affordability, pretty divisive issues. But food still seems to bring this region together. There's always an appetite for food exploration here. Do you feel hopeful about that? 
I really do. Yeah. I really do. I think that this is a city of people who love to eat. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to diving in and becoming reacquainted with the region that was my home for, you know, the first 18 years of my life. And I know that I'll be hearing from readers, and I am so excited to be hearing about the places that they think I should be checking out. You're starting the role in a matter of months, but you know you won't actually begin reviewing restaurants right away. When can we expect your first reviews, you think? Yes. So I am, as as of when we are talking, I am seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So, thank you so much. Um, so just doing all of the major life events at once, having a baby, starting a new job, moving cross country. So I will be taking parental leave and then I will be starting in January. So Amazing. I'll take, you know, I'm sure a few months to dine around and familiarize myself with the landscape and figure out what I'm writing about. So coming to you in 2024. Amazing. Well, what a great way to get reacquainted with your hometown again with food and we get to benefit from it all. I'm so excited you're here, Mackenzie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. Mackenzie Chung-Fagan is The Chronicle's new restaurant critic. Look out for her reviews starting in January. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with her, you can reach out by emailing food at sfchronicle.com or follow her on Twitter. She's at Mackenzie F. Check out The Chronicle's food reviews and reporting at sfchronicle.com slash food. You won't want to miss an important investigation that came out this week about Oakland's famed High Felicia restaurant and its downfall. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.